Lord Jesus, we ask that you would teach us through what you say to us in the Bible this morning to help us be courageous, mighty warriors the way you've created us to be. We ask this in your name. Amen. One day, several years ago, I was out running in an unfamiliar neighborhood, just kind of enjoying the scenery when these two dogs crawled out from underneath a fence and started chasing me. One was a pit bull, the other was a Doberman Pinscher. And I remembered some advice sort of in the back of my head that I'd heard once that you should never show fear with animals. That just makes it worse. So I turned to face the dogs and in my strongest, most bravest voice, I said, stop dogs. At which point they both lunged at me. And I remember thinking, bad advice. Fear is my friend. Fear is a good thing. Fear makes me run which I did until I got away from them. What are you afraid of as you come in today? Most of us are afraid of something. We fear death, financial problems, health problems. We have fears about our children, fears for our world and where it's headed. We also fear things like standing up for what's right or going against the crowd because we fear being rejected. In fact, I think those are some of the scariest things we have to sometimes do. I know guys who go rock climbing and hang gliding, but talk about Jesus to a friend, invite a neighbor to church, forget it. I've talked with dozens of college-age guys who will jump off cliffs and go parachuting, but ask a girl out on a date, no way. Scariest thing imaginable. Surveys show that many people, for, their, for many people, their number one fear is doing what I'm doing, public speaking. They fear it even more than death, which I find fascinating. Some of you would rather die than give a sermon. Some of you would rather die than hear a sermon, I'm sure. <laughs> All of us are afraid of something. This summer I'm talking about people in the Old Testament who made some bold moves for God, risk takers. Two weeks ago I talked about Abraham who was the first person in history to believe that there was only one God and to follow that God step by step. Last week, I talked about how Abraham's descendants ended up in slavery in Egypt until Moses made a bold move to deliver them into the Promised Land. Well, after they got there, they faced a lot of enemies. So every so often, God would raise up a leader to unite the disparate tribes of Israel to band together to defeat the enemy. And Gideon, who we just read about, was one of those leaders. But he's an odd choice for a military leader. I mean, I think we think of generals as being very brave, courageous people. But what's clear from this story is that Gideon is riddled with fear. And you see it in the details of the story that Terry just read. Where Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press. That's where we first find him. Now, what you've got to understand is that most people threshed wheat out in the open, where the air could blow off the chaff. But Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press, which is a hole dug in the ground with a roof over it, which would have made threshing almost impossible. And the reason that he's there is because he's afraid. There's a group of people called the Midianites who keep raiding Israel at harvest time. And Gideon is afraid of him, so he crams himself into this tiny space. He would have had to bend over to fit into it. And there he is, sort of crouched down, furtively threshing wheat, looking around, hoping no one sees him. Right? 
And in the middle of this scene, God shows up and says this strange thing. Hail, mighty warrior. Mighty warrior? Right? I mean, that's like calling Leonardo DiCaprio the Incredible Hulk. Right? <laughs> the label just doesn't fit. Gideon is afraid of everything. Now, I don't know about you, but I can kind of relate to Gideon. Because I think there's a lot of things in our lives that make us afraid and that rob us of courage. Certainly our circumstances can sap the courage right out of us. For Gideon, it was the Midianites. In our case, it might be illness, financial problems, people's opinions of us, challenges at, at the job. Our circumstances can sap us of courage. The labels that we are given can rob us of courage. The Midianite attacks have left Gideon and all of Israel with this label that they've got on themselves. Loser, weakling, victims. Gideon's name, in fact, means hacker or slacker. Far from mighty warrior. The labels we're given can make us fearful people. I have a friend who, when she was growing up, whenever she would do anything wrong, her father would always say to her, you're stupid. That's your name. You're stupid, 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 stupid. And for years she felt insecure about her intellectual abilities. In fact, even just figuring out the tip in a restaurant would make her nervous because of this label. Loser, weakling, lazy, unathletic, whatever it is, the labels we acquire throughout life can sap us of courage. And finally, our perceived lack of authority or resources can make us afraid. Gideon says, I am the weakest of my clan. I'm, I, I'm, I'm nobody. I, I have no authority. I have no power. I, I can't do anything about this. And a lot of times I think that's how we feel. Like we don't have the resources or the authority to do anything. The underling who feels that he can't challenge his boss on his unethical behavior. Or the person who can't share their faith because they, they don't feel like they have all the right answers in case they're asked questions. All of these things can rob us of courage. But what Gideon's story shows is that God is in the business of encouraging us. Encourage. Which literally means to put courage into us. That's what God does. He encourages us. And he does that in a couple of ways. The first is he reminds us of his faithfulness in the past. Earlier in the story, God says to Israel, Remember, I am the God that took you out of Egypt, that snatched you from Pharaoh's hand. In other words, that parting of the Red Sea thing, that wasn't special effects. That was me. I did that. And if I did that, I can help you now. When I feel afraid, one of the things I do that is the most helpful thing I can do is to remember the places where God has been there for me in the past. And then I fear less in the present. A second way that God gives us courage is he reduces our resources. You heard me right. He reduces our resources. This story gets very interesting as it goes on. Gideon goes out and he raises an army of 32,000 people to fight the Midianites. But then God does this strange thing. God says, your army is too big, Gideon. So I want you to tell every one of the soldiers who's afraid that they can go home. So Gideon goes to his army and he says, if you're afraid of battle, you may leave. At which point 22,000 of them say, okay, since you said so, goodbye. Right? Hardly the stuff of a John Wayne movie. Right? It's more like Monty Python. You know, run away, run away, which they did. And then God says, your army is still too big. 
So God comes up with this very strange test. He says, Gideon, watch how they drink water. And anyone who laps water with their tongues like a dog, those are your men, Gideon. That's your army. Strange test, don't you think? Send the rest home. So Gideon does that test, and all he ends up with is 300 people. 300 dog-drinking people to go against thousands of normal-drinking Midianites. God reduces his... You're just like, this is nuts, God. What are you doing? Ever feel like that? You feel like you you face this huge crisis or whatever it is, and and your resources just dwindle? They don't increase? Well, I I think there's a good reason that God does that. For one, he wants everyone to know that he's the one to deliver us. You see, if we can handle it in our own strength, we'll just think that we did it instead of God. So he reduces our resources so we know that it's he who did it. But I think the real reason God reduces our resources is so that we have to rely on him. If we feel secure in our own resources, we'll just ignore him. And then we won't get to know God. And what he wants more than anything else is that we would know him. So he forces us to rely on him. I've told some of you this before, but during my first interview with the search committee to come here, one of the first questions they asked, they said, you're young, you're inexperienced, are you ready for a job this size? And I remember thinking, what a silly question. Of course I'm not ready. But isn't that a good thing? Don't you kind of want a senior pastor who's at least a little bit afraid? Because you have one. So I hope that's okay with you. But I think there's something really valuable in that because what it means is I am on my knees, believe me, every day going, Lord, ah, help, I don't, what do you want to be doing here, Lord? And isn't that a good thing? Also, it means that if anything good happens in this church, nobody's going to mistake it for the pastor, right? I mean, just look at him. It can't be here. It's got to be God, right? God reduces our resources so that when we stand up to the boss for what's right or when we share our faith or when we see that financial problem disappear, we know that it was God that did it because it couldn't have been anyone else. And that builds our relationship with him. God gives us courage by reminding us of his faithfulness in the past, by reducing our resources so we have to rely on him. And the third way God gives us courage is he gives us an assignment. God's kind of a tough love guy. You notice that? I mean, reducing resources gives us an assignment. No, there, 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 right? I mean, go out and do something that you're afraid of. God asks us to do something that scares us so we can know that he's real. And that helps us overcome our fears. He tells Gideon to go raise an army and defeat the Midianites, which he does. And through that process, Gideon goes from sort of wimp to brave, mighty warrior. In fact, God even changes his name from Gideon, which means hacker or slacker, to Jerubabel, which means idol buster or false god killer. It's a very macho name in Hebrew. Trust me. It's a good name. You want to name your next kid that. Jerubabel. He'll get respect. You know, a lot of times I think that we think that courage means being fearless. And that in order to do something scary, we need to wait until our fears go away. I can't share my faith and, until I'm not afraid to do it anymore. I can't confront the boss until I'm not afraid of him anymore. I I, I can't teach Sunday school until I'm not afraid. Well, good luck. It ain't ever going to happen. And it doesn't have to. Because, you see, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the presence of action in the face of fear. 
If you're not afraid, you don't need courage, right? I don't need courage to get out of bed every morning. I'm not afraid to do it. I don't necessarily always like it, but I'm not afraid to do it. Soldiers in battle are afraid, but what makes them courageous is they act in the face of their fear. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's the presence of action in the face of fear. You know, sometimes the things we are afraid of defeat us without even firing a single shot. They're like the bully at school that never needs to throw a punch. All his power lies in his ability to intimidate through fear. That's what our fears do to us. Our fear of what other people might think of us keeps us from doing what's right a lot of the times because of what might happen. Our health problems or our financial worries wreck our lives before anything really bad happens. We're just afraid of what might happen. Our fears win the battle without firing a single shot. But when we step out in faith and act in courage, we discover that those things aren't nearly as terrifying as we think they are, at least when God's along for the ride. The illness isn't as bad as we thought it was, or we find that God helps us cope with it. Or we stand up for what's right and discover that people are are mad at us, but we don't care, and some people even admire us for doing it. In Gideon's case, he doesn't even have to fight the Midianites. He gets his 300 dog-drinking men to blow a few trumpets, smash some clay jars on the ground. The Midianites hear the sound and it scares them and they all run away. Right? Not as scary as they seem, turns out. This thing Gideon was so afraid of turned out to be a paper tiger. And that's how a lot of our fears are when we actually step out in faith and act in courage. They're all hat and no cattle. Two Christmases ago, a friend of mine noticed at school her kids were learning all about holidays that occurred in December. All except for one, Christmas. My friend was lying in bed one night praying about this, and she felt God kind of nudge her and say, you need to do something about this. But she was afraid. She said, well, what are they going to think of me? I mean, they might think bad thoughts. The teacher might get mad and retaliate against my kids. But the feelings didn't go away. And so she went to her kids' teachers, and she said, I notice you're talking about holidays that occur in December. And I was wondering if I could come in and speak about Christmas. You know, I won't try to convert anyone. Just let me talk about what Christmas means to me as a follower of Jesus. And the teacher said, sure, that'd be great. So she did it. She didn't try to convert anyone, just talked about what Christmas meant to her. Nobody got mad. Nobody sued her. God gave her an assignment to do. And when she stepped out in faith to follow it, she found the things that she feared weren't as scary as she thought, and that God came through for her and empowered her to do the assignment. I've shared with you on many occasions that that I used to be shy. I'm actually an extrovert. Did you know that? I'm actually an extrovert. I, I gain energy from being with people, but I'm shy. So I'm a shy extrovert. It's a weird little world inside this head, and you don't want to be there. But I am actually much, much less shy than I used to be because God has really worked with me on that over the years, and sometimes in some very, very creative ways. For instance, when I was in high school, the only job I could get was working as a waiter at Farrell's. Now, for those of you who don't know what Farrell's was, it was this cross between an old-fashioned ice cream parlor restaurant and Chuck E. Cheese. And we had to wear these weird costumes, and the waiters had to do all these performances and make all of these announcements. So, for instance, when somebody had a birthday, I had to get the whole restaurant to sing happy birthday to that person. And if that happened to be a woman or girl turning 16, I had to kiss her in front of everybody. 
we had a dish called a pig trough. And whenever someone ate a whole pig trough, I had to beat on a drum and get the whole restaurant's attention and say in a loud voice, ladies and gentlemen, may I have your very special attention over to this corner because here we have Sally who's made a pig of herself at Farrell's. And then I had to get the whole restaurant to oink at Sally. You want to do it? We could, I, I haven't forgotten how. I could make you oink right now if you wanted. It never goes away. It's like riding a bike. Okay, that's a weird job for a shy kid to have, don't you think? Now, I wasn't a Christian at the time, but I'm pretty sure that was God. Getting me out of my shell. Later, after I'd become a Christian, I remember joining a service group in my church. You know, thinking maybe they'd make me set up chairs or sort song sheets or something in the background, but no, no, no. What was the job they gave the shy kid? Make all the phone calls to the new people that visited the church that week. I remember thinking, God, your jokes aren't funny and your timing is off. This is not my job. But making those calls got me out of my shell. And God reminded me of his faithfulness in the past. Remember that Pharaoh's job? You were all right then. You could do it. You can do it now. And through making those phone calls, I met a lot of new people. Some of them are my friends to this very day. God reduced my resources. The only jobs I could get were the ones I didn't feel I could do. I had to rely on him. And God gave me an assignment where I had to act and face some of my biggest fears. And he reminded me of his faithfulness in the past, and through all of that, I got a new name. I went from shy kid to pastor. God is in the business of giving us courage. And he is the best one to do it because, you know, you read the Bible and you come up with the impression that God's a pretty courageous guy. He made us. That took courage. He gave us free will. That was a bold move. But most courageous of all, he came to earth in the flesh and the person of Jesus, came as a baby, entrusting his salvation plan into the hands of two clumsy teenage peasants, grew up in poverty and hardship, died on a cross so that we could be reconciled to God, and then he was raised on the third day. If you want to know courage, look at Jesus. He had guts. And if you want to become courageous, get to know him through prayer, through scripture, asking for his help. He lived the most courageous life ever, and regardless of what you face, he can make you brave. So what are you afraid of today? What are the fears you drag in here? Because I believe Jesus wants to set you free. How has he been faithful to you in the past? How may he be reducing your resources right now, not to harm you, but so that you can rely on him and watch him come through for you? And what assignment may he be calling you to do? Teach Sunday school, share your faith, serve a neighbor, a co-worker, stand up for what's right. What assignment may he be calling you to do so that you can act in the face of your fears and become the mighty warrior he created you to be? Lord Jesus, you wrote the book on courage. We pray that in all the things we face, that you would grant us courage for the living of these days. Lord, help us to be courageous and brave like you, and we'll be grateful people. We pray this in your name. Amen.